Hey everyone, this is Brian from the Tennis IQ Podcast. Josh and I hope that you're enjoying the content and discussions that we put out week after week. If you'd like to support the podcast and help us to continue to produce quality episodes, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Currently, we have two tiers of support, $3 per month and $7 per month. So again, our Patreon page is patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Thank you so much. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Josh Berger. And I'm Brian Lomax. And in today's episode, we will be speaking with Max Newlin. Max is the president of BrainCo. Now, prior to that, Max spent several years working in top hospitals, conducting research on the impact of neurotechnology and mind-body approaches to well-being and performance. After graduating from Harvard Graduate School of Education, he joined BrainCo as a research scientist in 2016. Now he leads the U.S. company towards its vision of unlocking human potential with brain-computer interface technology. Now, in today's conversation with Max, Josh and I will be discussing BrainCo's FocusCom neurofeedback device that can be used to train the brain to improve performance, enhance well-being, and develop a more focused and calm mind. We also explore how a tool like FocusCom could more specifically benefit tennis performance and tennis players. So if after listening to this episode, you're interested in purchasing FocusCom for your training, check out the show notes for a discount link that you can use. With that, Here's our conversation with Max Newland. Max Newland, welcome to the Tennis IQ podcast. We are really excited to have you speak with us today, and I think um, it's going to be a great interview for our listeners. So uh, again, welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. Sure. And um, you know, to get us started, we'd love to hear a little bit about your story, Max, in terms of your career and maybe even an educational background that brought you to where you are now as uh, as a CEO of, of Focuscom. Sure. You know, I think for a lot of people, it feels kind of random when you're in it. And it's only when you take a moment to pause and look back at your path that you can see the connecting threads or the dots. Um, so I have the, uh, the privilege of being able to now look back and tell you guys a story that sounds really cohesive and sounds like I had it all planned. Uh, but of course I didn't, but the, the way that the story goes is, um, I've always been interested in the, the human mind. Um, I got my first introduction into how your mind can influence the world and general outcomes through martial arts. So how my mindset affects my performance. And this got me into, uh, interest in Eastern philosophy and Western psychology and just how this whole thing works and what does our sense of self and our perception, what does it mean for our experience uh, as a person and as it relates to all the things that that people do. So I ended up going to school for cognitive science, worked in some neuroscience research labs, trying to understand the brain and how practices like yoga and meditation affect the brain. And then went back to grad school at Harvard to study human development and psych. Uh, got into some leadership development type work for a while, and then found this interesting startup uh, called BrainCo about six years ago. And I joined them as a research scientist when there was about 15 people. Six years later, there's a few hundred of us with offices around the world. 
and now I serve as the president for the U.S. company. Yeah, very cool. And so, like you said, it does sound coherent, but you know, obviously, it's one of those things where probably opportunities kept presenting themselves. Um, and uh, you know, you, at least you had sort of this vision of you know cognitive science and knew where you were going within that, right? So, um, so now you're at you know at Focuscom. What, how would you describe, say, the vision, the mission of the company that you're trying to, you know, put out in the world, trying to accomplish? Yeah, we want to unlock the potential of everyone's mind and their abilities that we all have that maybe we don't see. And by combining technology that allows you to quantify what's going on in your brain with proven methods of enhancing different cognitive functions, uh, or wellness abilities or perspective shifts. By combining these things, we have created a platform that allows people to train their brains for better focus and a calmer mind. But really what we're trying to do is tap into this unseen potential that we all have, that we all possess, and help people train those abilities so that they can live better lives and they can perform their best. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that that training aspect because um... – I think that's as we get a little bit more into the practical use, right? So describe, you know, how that happens. You know, there's an app, there's, you know, there's a headband, there's equipment, right? So um, how does that that training go optimally with with, uh, any any performer, really? Yeah, and I think this will, um, I'm going to give an analogy up front so that people can have something to kind of hang all this information on. Uh, Similarly to training your body, Um, and learning a new skill or getting stronger, like physically stronger through, say, uh, resistance training, your body will adapt and get better at the task that you're doing. Um, So for strength training, that makes a lot of sense, right? If I continue to strength train, I'm going to get stronger. I'll be able to lift more weight. The number goes up. But if you think about it, it's it's true for other skills, like uh, learning a new instrument, learning a new sport, learning a new language. You practice and you get better. Um, and there's changes going on in your body and in your brain that reflect that those skill enhancements that, uh, that you're attaining. Same thing is true for any type of mental ability, right? So the last example I gave was language, right? That's a very kind of clear uh, bridge towards the more mental-based skills that you can gain. Well, there are other mental-based skills like being calm under pressure, Uh, understanding yourself and other people better, being able to make decisions that are more aligned with what you want, being able to sustain your focus for longer. These are all skills, just like the other skills we talked about, and you can train them to get better at them. So what we have done is put together a really simple, easy-to-use platform to train these skills in a quantifiable and scientific way. So uh, if you're if you're watching the video, you'll see I'm holding the Focuscom headband. It has a few gold-plated sensors on it. You put it on like a normal headband, and kind of like a uh, heart rate monitor for your mind or your brain, it's passively detecting the electrical activity that your brain's constantly producing. So your brain's always giving off these electrical signals. Sensors pick up the signals, and based on the different features in the signal, we can tell how relaxed and at ease you are or how active and maybe stressed or anxious your your brain looks. And we give you a score in real time. So second by second, you're seeing your focus calm score, a really high score, close to 100. 
means you look very, very calm, very at ease. A low score near zero means your mind's really active. Maybe you're stressed or a little anxious. Certainly, you're doing a lot of mental processing and your mind is busy if your score is closer to zero. So you're seeing your score. And then we teach people how to raise their score through meditation instructors, sports psychology, breathing practices. We teach you how to get better control over raising your score, raising your focus comm score. And then we have a variety of games that will help you strengthen that muscle so you can practice that skill. And then we also have uh, another section of games that are much more challenging. So it's not only about being calm, it's about learning how to be calm under pressure. And so this, this uh, three-step process that we call learn, practice, challenge. We'll take someone who maybe knows nothing about neuroscience, maybe they don't know anything about the mental side of the game, and we'll teach them these skills. We'll have them practice them through games. And then we have other types of exercises that challenge your ability to stay calm under pressure so they can start to transfer it into situations that uh, that matter most, right? Like our lives aren't perfectly easy and, you know, they can get chaotic and messy. And so we want to help people learn how to apply these skills when they matter most. That, that, that all makes sense. And I, you know, having, having started to use the focus comm, I can definitely, um, attest to a lot of that. Um, so in, you, you, you touched on a little bit of the, the science and sort of the, the how, right. In terms of, you know, um, being able to to pick up the um, the brain waves that, that are taking place and, and measure up and and give somebody um, a score. Um, can can you help give our listeners sort of a sense of what that's like, right? Sort of the connection between the app and the headset and what what somebody's experiencing in real time as they're going through whether it's the games or the meditation, but sort of what somebody would be experiencing. Yeah. So let's say I don't really know much about this stuff. I get the focus comm product because I want to understand my brain better. I want to enhance these. I know these skills are important to me. Uh, so I, I connect the headband to my smartphones, you know, iPhone or Android app, just like any other app that you use. And you put the headband on and you don't feel anything because it's passively detecting what's going on. But we have to have the sensors be close to your forehead so we can pick up the signal. But you don't actually feel anything. Um, and then when you open the app, you will see your focus comm score. And is literally a, a representation of how at, at ease your mind is. And you'll see this number from 0 to 100. And you'll just see it floating around, probably around 50, right in the middle, if you're just opening the app. Uh, but if, let's say, someone walks in the door and you weren't expecting them, you know, that feeling of surprise and you you're quickly attend to something very intensely, it'll probably drop your score because all of a sudden you're using a lot of your cognitive resources your cognitive workload is going up. You're using more of your cognitive resources. So your focus calm score is going to drop. Or let's say the opposite happens. Um, uh, you start to do a breathing exercise or you're listening to a meditation and your mind becomes more calm and still. You'll see your score start to rise. Second by second, it will continue to go up. And what's really normal and natural is for there to be lots of fluctuations. But what we find is over time with practice, just like we're talking about this being a skill, you can get better at raising your focus calm score more consistently, more quickly, and get into that state even more deeply. And so we're measuring all these different features about how you're doing, and we give you feedback and different reports so you can track your progress. So at the most simple level, you're just having a mirror into your mind in a quantified way and learning how to get better control or better mastery. 
uh, not to mention all the other experiences and trainings and programs that we have in the app. Yeah. So I know with my experience, Max, it's been like, it's sort of taken an existing meditation practice and made it better in that I feel like the data has helped me be more aware of my body state and my mental state. And now that's, it's almost like I'm, I'm sort of supercharging the training of that. So my ability now to get calm is much faster after having done this for like five or six weeks. I think that came after maybe two weeks. Yeah. Um, so the consistency is better. But like you yeah. said, when I'm having some stressful days, yeah. It it is there, right? It's pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know yeah. I was in I was in New York for the US Open at one point and it was a day where I hadn't been to the event in like twenty something years and I hadn't taken the seven train. I was like kind of nervous about that. And then I had to pick up a credential. I had no idea well how to do that. And all these thoughts are running through my head. It's like a lot of yellow and red in the graph. And yeah. that, you know, with just little spikes maybe of, of blue. But um, yeah. I have really enjoyed that. It's actually made my meditation practice, like I'm more enthusiastic for it, right. to be honest, because yeah. I like seeing the data. I like seeing this ability to, um, or I enjoy the fact that I'm building more awareness mm-hmm. in how my mind works and how the body also plays a part mm-hmm. in that, that mind-body connection. So I just figured I'd throw that out there to you just to see if that's at all consistent with what you hear from others. Um that's why I really enjoy using it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that's such a good point. So we have people who know nothing about this stuff, come on, come on board, start using focus, calm, get all these benefits. And then we have people with existing meditation practices. And so we have something for them too. Uh, we have a feature called the tracker where you can just record your focus, calm score. Maybe you're not getting an instruction from a meditation teacher, but you're doing your own meditation practice either on your own or from another another app or another another source uh, but you want to see what's going on in your brain and it's super validating to see what's working and what's not and it's also really insightful i remember when i first started using it i had this notion that uh, when i was stressed i should let go more right everyone always says let go let go uh, when you're feeling stressed like don't try to control things but what i noticed was when i did that my focus calm score would go down and I thought, that's really curious. Like, what is going on? And then I thought to myself, well, let me try doing the opposite. I'm going to try focusing when I feel stressed. I'm going to try, instead of letting go, I'm going to try to focus my attention more. And when I did that, my mind quieted down and my score started to go up. So the score was instructive to help me figure out what I needed to do to get into that, into that more calm state. And then looking back, I go, oh, you know what? That makes sense. If I'm feeling stressed and I'm letting go, I'm just letting everything kind of pile up or come out, you know, and and really get more diffused. My mind's going all over the place. So the opposite of what I thought uh, I should do was the thing that I ended up actually doing to help myself. And the focus calm score is what let me let me see this. So even if you have your own practice, um, the score will give you insights or validation on what you're doing and help answer this question that some people have, particularly at the beginning of their journey, which is is this actually doing anything? And so when you do the meditation, you have the focus calm headband on, you can see that, yes, these practices are actually changing my brain. I think that's great. And, and yeah, I'm glad you, you brought up your, the, your experiences with meditating, Brian. And I, you know, in a similar way, I, 
I think one thing that's always been tough for me and, and some of the people I've worked with as well is meditating. And then maybe on certain days you notice, okay, maybe my, my mind is, is more restful. And then other days it's, it's more active and there's a lot going on and I have more thoughts and I have a tougher time with my meditation practice, tougher time, really staying present, focusing on my breathing. My, I'm thinking about the past or thinking about the future or distracted, which, which really is a part of the, the practice itself. But I think being able to see that, being able to see, okay, when, you know, as I look back at it afterwards, when was that period of time when I was, you know, more relaxed, more, um, you know, focused on what I'm trying to be focused on my breath and this moment. And when was I more, you know, distracted? When was I thinking about some of these other things and being able to see the data afterwards? And it, it, I think it, it brings it more to life, um, where I think it, if not, it can be easy at times to sort of go through the motions a little bit. Um, and I think getting that feedback, to me at least, helps keep me more, a, a little bit more driven, a little bit more committed to it. So I, I think, yeah, that's definitely definitely a benefit. I guess um, one question that I have is, um, we've talked about some of the, some of the benefits. Um, what how um how how did did uh th this number of seven minutes right uh mm -hmm. how how did that come about and uh you know what what do you recommend for for most people as they're getting started i guess whether it's on building on an existing meditation practice or you know trying to start one but what what do you suggest in terms of length of time uh mm -hmm. to, in terms of total training and then length of time of trying to be in that that focus calm zone that's a really great question. So think about it like any other type of physical training you do. You go to the gym for a certain amount of time, you do the training, and you do that with some regularity, and over time you get better. It's the exact same thing. So for Focus Calm, we recommend using it, doing at least 15 minutes of training, or maybe just like one of our programs is about 15 minutes long. And one program will take you through that three-step process I had talked about earlier, learn, practice, challenge. If you get one of those under your belt, per day, like you're, you're going to get into the zone. That's what, that's what we want to see. So it takes about 15 minutes. Um, and what we have found is once people complete 20 of those programs, so 15 minutes a day for about 20 sessions over the course of a few weeks, those people are the ones who see statistically significant improvements in well-being, drops in anxiety, reductions in burnout. So just like any skill, it does take a little bit of practice, but if you can get 20 sessions in for 15 minutes, you're going to reap a lot of the benefits. The seven minutes in focus calm, which is something you'll see in the app, as you complete different tasks and you're in a high focus calm zone, you'll start to accumulate what's called focus calm minutes. So it's minutes spent in the high focus calm zone. And the daily goal is to, to accumulate seven minutes in this high focus calm zone. And it's kind of a cool story how we found or discovered this number. So there is a, a mindfulness study published by Dr. Mishi Jha uh, from the University of Miami, I think is where she was when, or is, uh, when the study came out. And they were doing mindfulness training, um, I believe it was with uh, uh, military personnel. And they wanted to see what was the cutoff for receiving the benefits of the training based on how much practice these people did. And what they found was it took or the people who completed 12 minutes of training, of mindfulness training per day, were the ones who saw benefit. People who did less than 12 minutes per day didn't see 
uh, as much gains in well-being and the different um, cognitive performance metrics that they were measuring. I think it was a working memory task. So if you could do the mindfulness training 12 minutes per day, you'd get these benefits. And that kind of maps on to things that we might intuitively understand. Like if I'm trying to learn a new skill, I probably need to get you know a, a reasonable amount of practice in per day to see some benefits. What's interesting, though, about something like mindfulness training or any type of meditation, if you are not measuring the brain state, it's not so clear how, how much of that 12 minutes was spent in a deep state of relaxation versus how much time was maybe just spent mind wandering or daydreaming or something like this. But if you could measure the state during those 12 minutes, you'd know how much time in the deeper relaxed states was contributing to this benefit. And so what we did was we looked back at all of our research studies, we looked back at all the participants and saw how much time the people who were gaining the most in terms of reductions in anxiety, reductions in burnout, et cetera, improvements in well-being, how much time in the high focus calm zone were they spending per day? And that's where we discovered it only takes seven minutes of being in this high focus calm zone per day to reap all these benefits. So we say, you know, do 15 minutes of training because over 15 minutes of training, you're likely going to accumulate uh, seven minutes of being in the focus calm zone. But if you get really, really good and you want kind of the most efficient way to look at this, uh, we'd recommend getting at least seven minutes in the high focus calm zone, the blue zone, uh, as you were referring to, Brian. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Dr. Ja and the study. Um, you know, what you just mentioned is also in her book, Peak Mind, which mm. is, um, you know, covers that 12 minute thing that the studies that she did with the University of Miami football team and in the military personnel. Right. So it's, it's really cool. And I'm glad that you, you uh, referenced that in the 12 minutes versus the seven, because I was thinking the exact same thing. I've read the book and I was like, all right, 12 minutes, seven. It must be because now we're in a kind of more of a magic zone here. That's right. like the required time versus that. So um, I think the other piece I wanted to bring back to that though, Max, was, was a word you brought up here. And that is a part of peak mind is the idea of attention. So really, you decided, like when you were stressed, instead of letting go, you focused in, right? You brought your attention to something. And if we now maybe turn this a little bit toward tennis, yes, we need to let go of mistakes. But right after that, we have to bring our attention to what's important now. And yeah. and I think that like just the way you handled that stressful moment while in a, using the headband was, in, you know, a good example of you directed your attention to what you thought was important, which is such a great skill to be able to build when you're a performer of anything. And certainly in tennis, given it's a fighting sport, there's a lot of chaos going on around you, your ability to sift through everything that's there and decide, yeah, that's what I'm going to put my attention to is, is yeah. really key. Oh, I totally agree. The analogy that came to mind while you're describing that was uh, slack in a rope. If you're too taut, right, it's uh, the rope is likely to snap. If it's too loose, you're not going to be able to pull on the thing that you want. And I think it's the same with your attention. Given the environment you're in, you need to find that sweet spot where I'm not so hyper-focused and so concerned about being focused that I'm not relaxed and I'm not uh, at ease and, and in the moment. But I'm also obviously not so relaxed that I'm not paying attention to what I need to be paying attention to. You want to be in a mental state 
where you're attending to the thing that matters most, but you're you're not tunnel visioned, where your field of vision isn't taking in all the uh, information that you need to be considering. Um, and I think that's kind of the balance that you can find and the feed and you can use some of the feedback in the app or just in general, I guess, in life and in sport where you want to be able to find that sweet spot where you're balancing focus and calm. Yeah. Cause you actually see better when you're not in sort of a fight or flight response, right? Your, your vision actually yeah. gets into more of a tunnel vision when you're right. overly stressed. So yeah, you have to have that balance and there's always a little bit of stress and tension or else you would be flat and not care. And right. so, yeah, it's, it is finding that sweet spot and, and helping people. I think through the tool, you can tell me if this is a, a benefit, Max, but it's the idea of the more time I spend in that focus calm zone, the more I can perhaps normalize some of what is happening to me so that my response can be more measured rather than panicked or stressed. Yeah, things are going to feel lighter. Like if you are starting out on your weightlifting journey, everything feels heavy because you're not super strong. If you get more strength, those same things are going to feel lighter. So if you're overwhelmed by things, it's natural, it's normal, everyone is. As you develop these skills of being calm under pressure, those same things aren't going to overwhelm you. You have a greater capacity. You have a greater strength to, to navigate these situations. Um, that's absolutely true. That, that all makes sense. And I think, especially in a sport like tennis, where there is, and we, this is something we've talked about a lot on, on this podcast, um, it is a sport of instant feedback, where after every point, you've won it or you've lost it. And it can be very easy for tennis players to sort of ride that emotional roller coaster where I win a point and all right, things are going great. You know, I'm a winner. This is awesome. And then I lose a point and it's the exact opposite. I feel like a loser. I feel frustrated. And then, I, you know, things keep going up and down in that same way. Um, so I think especially in a sport like like tennis with with that instant feedback, it's important to, I guess, gain gain more of an equilibrium and be able to be a little bit more neutral, more aware, less um, pulled by your emotions that, that are constantly coming up after each point. Um, and I, I know that at this point, um, you're working with a lot of a lot of high performance athletes. And I know one, one in particular, Iga Sviantek, who we've talked about a lot, who's at, you know, at the top of the women's, um, the women's game, number one ranking by quite a bit on the WTA tour right now. Um, could you talk a little bit about um, her and maybe, you know, any other high performance athletes and how their use of focus Calm has, has impacted their own performance? Yeah, absolutely. So we first got connected with, Iga and her sports psychologist, Daria, a couple of years ago. Um, and they were using the old version of the hardware, um, uh, which is hard to say very many nice things about. It was our, it was the first, first platform, um, not the much nicer, better, easier to use one that we have now. And when they started using it, uh, we got some wonderful feedback from them. So we're like, Ooh, okay, this is a, this is a good fit. Like they understand the concepts um, they're getting a lot of value from this, from this product and from this technology. And now since then, of course, we've made lots of enhancements. So it's, it's even better. Now, uh, the curious thing that, that we learned and we ended up hearing this from other athletes too, is because you can use the platform for learning to calm your brain, but there's also these challenging tasks that really get your brain a bit more fired up. What we learned was 
certain athletes will not do the calming things before competition. We assume that, okay, there's always, you know, heightened nerves and people should, people, we thought people would be using the calming features. But what we learned from Daria is that there are athletes out there that want to upregulate before the match. And so it was, it, it kind of spoke to this concept that we just covered about finding the sweet spot. If you tend to be uh, over aroused, too anxious, then the calming stuff can certainly help to get you back into that wind, that window of, of high performance. But if you tend to be a more chill, laid back person, more chilled, laid back athlete, and you need to upregulate to kind of get into the zone, then we have the, the challenge games are the ones that people will use. So um, Daria was letting us know that before every match and uh, before practice, they'd be using the challenging games to get their brains into that more uh, more upregulated state. So that's a, that's kind of a, a curious thing. And I think it depends on the sport. Uh, and I think it depends on the athlete and how they prepare for, for matches and for competitions. Um, but I think that's that's kind of the wonderful thing is that depending on what brain state you want to get into or how you want to prepare, there's different types of content for different types of athletes. I think that's also why the athlete, him or herself, needs to know themselves because um, I think this is a theory we've talked about, Josh, in the past that's called ISOF or Individualized Zones of Optimal Functioning, which shows that different emotions, different arousal states are exist for different people. And so, as you said, Mac, you know, some people may do better at a higher arousal state in performance. Others may do better at a, at a lower. And you have to know your own state and what you what you need to drive toward. Um, so it's not surprising that um, you know uh, certain players or certain athletes would want to use it as an energizer, as an activator, while others need to yeah temper some of the things that that they're feeling. Um, I think we often think sort of that second case that people need to calm down. And that may be maybe the 75, 70%, but there are those um, who, who do need to, to activate. Um, this is a little bit outside of the tool, but a lot of the players that I work with, there is, there's something in the, in, in, in focus that does this too, which is guru grid, right? But there's like concentration grids, which are bigger and tougher. Um, yeah. And a lot of the athletes that I work with, a lot of players I work with, we use that as a means of just transferring from one part of your day into mm. the next. And that's interesting. That's how I like to use a guru grid. That, and I think I told Kendra, our 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 account rep there, that like, hey, this guru grid is almost too easy, right? It's only twenty five numbers. You can get it done in like ten seconds. So, like, can we make that harder? Just to like challenge, <laughs> right? Up. A little bit more on that you know and so i think i like the challenge games as a way of kind of an activation or a transfer hey it's pre-match right. let's put the rest of the day behind us let's do a little challenge game get going yeah maybe we'll do yeah. some fo- you know calming things as well but i think right. really has a good place in how That's we prepare. so interesting yeah i love hearing these different stories about how different people are using the product um it gives us inspiration for things that we can do I think just more broadly, it speaks to the uh, my curiosity about how this whole brain thing works and how we are all different and what we all need. It's so, so fascinating. Uh, that, that's an interesting point, Brian. Uh, no, I, I think it's, I guess one, one question that I have, and this is, I guess, maybe more of a specific question. Um, 
so I was I was using it recently, and um, you know my my score would would go up and down as as we've talked about, um, and it gave the, the a, a bit of advice popped up on uh, on the screen saying you know if you close your eyes and count to ten that that can have some positive benefits. So I guess one question that I have is, do you find that there is some sort of observer effect in terms of when somebody is maybe looking at their score more and, and almost like wanting it to go up or fo almost focusing too much on that rather than on the breathing itself and on trying to calm, calm yourself, that that has an impact and sometimes actually closing your eyes to, you know, almost distracting yourself away from looking at that score can have a um, more positive impact. Yeah, it goes in both directions. So on one hand, looking at the score can allow me to get more in touch with my mental state. And I go, all oh, right, yeah, that just happened. That's why this is happening. Okay, I should probably go back to this practice. All right, I'll see my score go up as I, as I kind of recalibrate my breathing or whatever technique I'm using. So people will use it as that real-time feedback. There's a hidden lesson, though, in looking at your feedback. And you learn this lesson when your score starts to drop and you start saying to yourself, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then what do you think happens to your score when you start worrying about your score? It drops even more. And then you go, huh, that's really interesting. There's like this negative feedback loop that's going to continue to drive my score down. And so then your next thought should be, well, when that starts to happen, I need to become mm -hmm. dispassionate or disengaged and reset for myself internally and not be so worried about this external thing. And the quicker you can close that loop, the sooner your score will start to level off and then eventually rise. And so you, you get this experience with your with the focus calm score that I believe is we, we experience in our lives, which is when something starts to go haywire, do we go to ourselves, oh no, start worrying, pile on to pile onto this pain? Or do we try to go, hmm, that's interesting. I need to reposition my strategy now so that I can change the outcome. And there's a there's a concept. Um, I forget which which contemplative tradition it's in. I think it's a Buddhist tradition. There's a concept called shooting yourself with the second arrow. Something bad happens. You get shot with an arrow. That's bad enough. But typically what we do is we take out our own bow and arrow and we shoot ourselves again. Because something bad happens to us and instead of just dealing with that situation, we start to perseverate on the problem uh, and start to make it worse for ourselves. And so the lesson is don't shoot yourself with the second arrow. When things start to happen, take a moment, take a breath, recalibrate, and use the skills that you've learned over time to get yourself going in the right direction. I kind of related that too, because I went through this. It definitely was seeing the score and whatever. Um, almost to another, I think, uh, Buddhist tradition, which is non-judgment. And not judging myself, right? So I was like, oh, what's wrong with you? You know, your score is going down, that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, and then I, I was able to lay off. And, and, and I've gotten through that maybe stage of using it, you know. Yeah. But I think when we look at non-judgment, which is another reason we want people just to do meditation in general, right. is to be non-judgmental about uh, the thoughts, the thinking, the wandering that their mind does. Yeah. Um, I think this just highlights that even more and helps yeah. you understand that, you know, and make that differentiation between the wandering thoughts. And then, yeah. like, I really like the guided meditations. I think those are really excellent. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's this one phrase that really sticks with me, which is, you know, 
focus when you inhale, calm when you exhale, right? And yeah. I've been able to really use that more as kind of like a nice little mantra during yeah. things as, as a way of differentiating between my wandering thoughts and what I want to say to myself intentionally. Yeah. And that's great. Using that, right, always as an anchor. Yeah, of course, there's the breath or other anchors, but I like to, the breath along with that little mantra there really helps me to shift back to intentional self talk, which again, such a huge skill for tennis players to be able to differentiate between some of those automatic negative thoughts and what they actually want to say to themselves. So just curious what your thoughts are on that, Max. Yeah. Well, certainly people's minds wander, and sometimes that can be pleasant. Sometimes that can not be pleasant. Um, if, your mind, if your mind's going to wander, you might as well try to guide it towards something nice. Uh, if, you don't, if you need your mind to not wander because you're performing, then there's a second set of skills, which is making sure that you're attending to the ideal uh, contents of your mind or the contents of your environment. What are the things within my landscape that are going to yield me the thing that I want? And, and trusting that those are the things that only matter right now. One of the interesting things is, for me at least, when I go through that exercise, my mind gets really calm and blank, and I'm really just concentrated on a few things. And then this voice pops up in my mind that goes, shouldn't there be more going on? Shouldn't you be really engaged with something and like have this exciting story going on in your head? And like, that's the way that you're going to get the outcome that you want. And the insight is um, performance and well-being may be a bit more simple, maybe even more boring than we're, than I'm wanting or willing to admit. I think that's probably true for lots of people. I think it's okay for their, there's almost like a resistance to there not being a lot going on and just being okay with that. So if I'm in the moment and I'm really concentrated on the things that matter most, it could be true that there's not going to be a lot going on and I shouldn't get too worried about there needs to be a lot going on and getting more comfortable with boredom is the wrong word, but I think it's the closest word that we have being okay with that type of boredom where it's like, no, this is all that matters right now. and I can really just focus on this. I don't need the like this exciting story going on in my head. Um, and if I can allow myself to experience that, then the rest of my day is probably going to be much easier because I'm going to have less mental chatter. I just need to be okay with that. So as it relates to your point about um, intentionally or setting our intention on things or thinking about things that matter most, uh, I think it's it's about being simple, being okay to being simple in what the pursuit is and not getting caught up in, in all this story and, and all this other stuff that's going on. So, you know, if we can simplify the way that we're thinking about a given situation, then uh, it's likely true that we're going to have more cognitive resources to apply to less things. So it's it kind of ties back to this concept that we talk about called mental efficiency. Am I using the right level of mental effort given the situation that I'm in? If I'm using too much mental effort given the situation that I'm in, I'm going to burn out. I'm not going to be able to, to make it through the whole match. If I'm not using enough mental resources, given the situation I'm in, I'm probably going to miss something. I'm going to make a mistake. So you want your mental resource load, your workload, your cognitive workload, or your your focus. Um, I'm using kind of different phrases to explain the same thing to match the situation that you're in. And in that way, it's another example of being intentional with your 
with your mind given the thing that you're trying to accomplish. I think I think that totally makes sense. Being able to pick the right tool or being able to determine over time what what is needed, right? Is it is it more that's needed in terms of more intensity, more effort? Do I need to upregulate or do I need to calm myself? Do I need to use my breath in a in a different type of way? And and actually the the arrow analogy analogy that you were using before reminded me of of that quote where it's you know if if you're in a hole you want to stop digging, right? Where, where oftentimes people will continue trying to do more in that situation, but to to start to build that wisdom of what is needed in this moment. Do I need to do more? Do I need to keep going, keep, keep at it? Or do I need to stop and maybe reverse course or take a step back and, and try to see the situation for, for what it yeah. is? Um, yeah. So can, can you talk a little bit more about, you know, through, through the meditation, through the games, how that process of either upregulating or downregulating takes takes yeah. place through the breath and through some of the things that are that are taught through the app. Yeah, that's a great segue because I we can connect to this the concept I just talked about mental efficiency. So um, a lot of our uh, early work, and we're still working with this organization. But when we first started started in this direction, uh, was with an organization called Formula Medicine. And they provide the cognitive training for Formula One race car drivers and a variety of other elite level athletes and other motorsport athletes, um, as well as uh, uh, physical training, too. So like whole athlete, how do we optimize athletes mentally and physically? And through our work with them, um, we learned about their research into mental efficiency. And in their studies, they found the thing that differentiates elite drivers from novice drivers is that the elite drivers use way less cognitive resources to complete tasks. They'll be doing the same task and maybe even the same performance on a cognitive task, but the elite level athletes just know how to be at ease given the stress that they're under. And so they, they were thinking through, well, how do we translate this to training? And that's what has ended up in the focus calm app where we give people the skill to relax have them practice it, and then the executive function games. So the games that we're talking about, like the Guru Grid, or uh, you know, focus on your reaction time, decision making, processing speed, pattern recognition. We have all these different games that target these executive functions. Your working memory, and the idea here is those games create cognitive stress. If you just play the game, your focus comp score is going to go down because it uses a lot of your cognitive workload to complete the task well. But what we want to train people to do is to complete the task well with the minimal amount of mental effort needed. So keeping your focus calm score high while you're completing the task. And it's very, very hard to do. Very, very hard to do. But just this practice introduces people to this idea that even when there's something difficult going on, I can try to remain uh, in myself, in my center, and operate the way that I want to be operating without falling uh, you know, my head over my over my heels and trip and, and things like this. So can I operate with mental uh, mental efficiency? And so the the whole kind of arc that we take people through, and people can pause and kind of go into any part of the the garden that they want to and spend more time with the meditation, spend more time with the breathing exercises or the soothing stories that we have. But the entire arc, if you look at focus calm as a whole, takes people through this journey of learning, practicing, and challenging so that they can uh, master mental efficiency and be calm under pressure. 
and not only learn the skill of focus and calm, but learn how to combine them uh, when when we meet challenges. Um, that's the that's the big picture vision, or that's that's how a lot of the different aspects of the training tie together in focus calm. And I think that's that skill right there is great for tennis players, given yeah. the amount of stress and distractions, the fact that you have a direct opponent in this fight, yeah. you know, your experience in martial arts, you know, teaches you, I'm sure, Max, a little bit about that and, yeah. and you know, what that relationship is there. And, uh, yeah, there's so much going on that if you are using too many cognitive resources, you're going to be stressed, you're going to make bad decisions, etc. So, yeah, you want to find that. And, of course, even when you think about those Formula One drivers or those elite drivers, there's probably even just a level of experience that has normalized their experience for them versus some of the other drivers who maybe just haven't been able to get through that arc yet. And so, you know, so there's a, there's some of that going on and we're all are going through different development pieces. So I I find this to be really very interesting, especially for the sport of tennis. Um, I have a couple players using it and one of them, uh, he's a player, he, 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 gets very excited about lots of things and he's now called the headband his new best friend so <laughs> the, the second day he had it he wore it for an hour just doing all oh, kinds wow. of stuff just to try to figure out his own brain right. and that's the because oh that's so cool the kind of guy he is you know so yeah. he's spending he's spending more like 15 20 minutes in the focus calm zone um because wow. he just enjoys that you know and um right. so it's really fun to see someone embrace something like this and understand yeah. the value that it's going to bring to him on the tennis court, you know? So yeah. um, what are, you know, some sort of future direction things for Focus Calm? What are some things that you're thinking about in terms of maybe the equipment, improvements, maybe the app? What, what are you guys thinking about for the future? Uh, more and more personalization to meet users where they are and give them the type of training that they need and that they want so that they can achieve their goals faster and more easily. So right now in the Focus Calm app, we have all different types of programs for helping people fall asleep or starting your day with the right mindset or bouncing back from distraction or failure or even winding down after a long day of work. So we have all different types of users. And even our our athletes, uh, our athletic users, they use Focus Calm certainly for their sport but also for the rest of their life. So we're trying to take this holistic picture of what are the things that people go through and how can different brain training at different times throughout their day. Again, uh, some of our experiences are only two minutes long, doing like a quick little two minute experience, two minute game, or you know, a 10 minute program that you're doing. What are the different things that we can deliver to people given what they truly experience in their lives to help them uh, find their balance? So. Um, over the next several months, uh, we'll be seeing more and more personalization that gives people what they want, when they want it. And, um, you know, we really focus on that user experience. Like, how can we make something as cerebral as measuring your brain waves and brain training as user-friendly and as fun and enjoyable as possible? Like you were saying, this one of the athletes that you work with, he just gets a lot of joy out of learning about himself. So if you are the type of person that wants to learn about themselves, what type of experiences can we give you? Like we have people listening to their favorite music while they wear the headband to see what's going on. We have people uh, petting their cat and maybe not surprisingly, their focus calm score shoots through the roof 
because it's such a calming experience, which it's kind of a funny example, but it speaks to the headband being a platform for training your brain, certainly 15 minutes a day. Or if you want to explore and understand yourself better, it's a it's a laboratory of sorts, too. And and what we're doing is doubling down on the content and the, the experiences that people want. But the overarching kind of theme is more personalization and meeting people where they are. I, I, I like that it's all, um, it, it all comes down to one score, right? It's not like you do the meditation or um, one of the games and you get all these different numbers, right? It all comes down to, to, that, to that, that score in the moment. So I, I think it's, it's great that it's, you know, there, there's not so much data that somebody's wrestling with and trying to interpret at the end of it. It, it comes down to, okay, how did I do? I know there's those three, those three key areas as well. Um, right. But, you know, it's, it, it's very, very, you know, very user-friendly and, you know, you're j just like you said, it takes, takes something very complex and it, it's able to simplify it so that anyone can pick it up and, and use it. I mean, I remember, you know, using it with my parents and we were all kind of, you know, trying it out right when I had so um, cool. gotten it and uh, yeah, just, you know, seeing how, how each person sort of, um, approaches some of these different tasks um, yeah. differently and how, you know, everyone can um, see, you know, not, not just feel the benefits, maybe like you would doing certain cognitive games or meditation, but actually see it, see it for yourself, yeah. see, okay, what is the score? What is the impact that, that this type of training has on me? Totally. And I th I love your point about the data mm -hmm. piece. Like if you want to just stick with the focus calm score, just have that as your feedback, that works. You will get the benefit. If you want to dig into the data and see how you're progressing on all these subscores, you can do that. If you're a coach or clinician and you want to manage your, your team or your athletes and give them assignments to do for focus calm training and dig into their analytics even more, you can do that. You know, we have a team portal for those use cases. So yeah, we really are structuring it in a way where uh, no matter how deep you want to go, there's going to be value for you. Uh, to use it in different ways. And it, it sounds like you guys are personally exploring it for yourselves and, and how it fits into your lives and your practice. And then also with the people that you work with. And, and I'm always uh, fascinated and curious to kind of learn about these intricacies of like specifically for tennis, the, the things that you guys see in the athletes that you work with, um, the things that they need help with. I think there's probably a lot of overlap with other athletes and other people, but there's also going to be some tennis specific things that you guys would like to work on. And so it's our job to, you know, be able to fulfill that and give you guys the training that that is going to suit the needs of for yourself and the people that you work with. And that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah, because I, I like the idea of the personalizations and um, that I'm using the team portal. And I would love to see some things that are, yeah, sort of very pre-match focused and then some mm -hmm. post-match stuff, too. It would be great yeah. to have some yeah. focus calm visualizations about what just happened so you can lock in uh, right what you did well out there and oh, a lot of that. like you know can we use that as a means of build, building positive self-image and building mm. motivation for the next time that we go out there right um so uh that's super cool i don't know if kendra told you but i used to my first career was in software development and software testing. So I get really oh, I kind of hyped that. up about like these things and enhancements awesome. and requirements. And so I've already been thinking about some stuff, Max, to send you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. That's great. Um, so um, is there anything, you know, as we kind of wrap this up that you would like to, to leave us with 
to think about as, as people are interested in um, you know, diving more into the product? Where can they go? Um, how can they yeah. connect with you on social and other, other platforms? Yeah, the, the main message is you are in control and you can change your brain. You're not stuck with uh, what you have right now. And through practice and training, you can get better at these skills. That's the main message. If we can, if we can empower people to understand that they're in the driver's seat and there's something they can do about it, heck, you know, if Focus Calm is the tool you want to use, awesome. If there's other tools in your toolbox that you want to use, great. But if we can just convince people or show people that what is true is you can have an influence on yourself and you can master yourself a little bit more, you can lean towards these, these skills and these practices to get a little bit better. And over time, you will see massive benefits. That's, that's really what we want. And so if people are interested in doing this type of brain training or learning more about themselves and their brain, they can go to www.focuscom.com uh, and, and sign up. And, and we'll set up an affiliate code uh, for, for your listeners, too, so they can get a discount in all of our social media um, there's definitely links on the website, but if people want to follow us directly uh, at Focuscom or our Instagram uh, or on LinkedIn too. Great. Well, Max, thanks so much for joining us today. Really fun conversation and um, look forward to uh, your continued success and, and working with you guys. As Thank you, company. guys. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Josh. This is great. Well, that was an awesome conversation with Max. Um, one of my biggest takeaways was how Focuscom really gives people the ability to quantify some of their mental training. Um, you know, I, I think one of the big challenges at times is being able to really quantify and show um, some of the improvements on the mental side of the game. Where you know, if, if you're working on your serve, let's say, it can, you can look at specific metrics like miles per hour. Um, or percentages for how consistent you're hitting your serve in order to see improvements over time, where sometimes with mental training, it can be a little bit harder. There's maybe questionnaires, there's, um, you know, other sorts of reflection where you can, you can see um, changes or improvements over time. But what I like about a tool like this is specifically with something like meditation or, you know, finding ways to, um, control your emotional state and control, you know, control your levels of arousal, as we talked about, your level of more intensity or more, you know, calmness. Um, a, a tool like this really helps athletes and tennis players specifically um, see what they're doing and, and how, you know, see based on your body chemistry moment by moment, how that impacts your, uh, your focus comm score or really how, how calm and relaxed you are or how, much your mind is busy and scattered in that moment. And you can also, you know, through using a tool like this, you can really learn the techniques to get into that focus calm state more often and faster. So I uh, really love this conversation. I think it's, yeah, it really helps athletes sort of quantify this process and, and helps them really learn this tool of being able to regulate themselves um, based on whatever's happening point by point you know, game by game, um, or even, you know, longer term. So, uh, yeah, really love this conversation with Max. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you could definitely head to the show notes for that discount code because there's a lot that tennis players can, can benefit from in, in using a product like this. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything you said, Josh. And for me, it's also – the one thing we talk about when we're doing mental training is 
uh, building awareness. And I think that that's what this does. It really helps you be more aware of what's going on in your body and your mind as you're using this measurement tool to help you get to a particular state. And so after a few weeks of using something like this, you start to discover what it feels like in your body and in your mind to be more calm, to be more focused. And then that can translate into more difficult situations when you're on the court. By having built some of that awareness off the court, you can now hopefully just put that state into place a little bit more easily. Um, so I like it for that. I, I also, you know, obviously in this conversation, we both talked about some experience with the tool. Um, and I've liked the fact that it sort of gamified mindfulness a little bit. And, uh, and I like the fact that it's measuring things. Um, and it is bringing more awareness to how I'm thinking and differentiating between that, you know, sort of automatic voice, sometimes the unintentional self-talk versus where I want to direct my attention. And I think that's one of the keys um, is, you know, Max referred to uh, Dr. Amishi Jha's study on attention and the, the 12 minutes a day of mindfulness meditation. And really, that's one thing we want to learn as tennis players is how do we direct our attention to what's important now? Right? We often will use that as like, you know, win stands for what's important now. The ability to direct your attention to what you want is very important. And that's one of the key aspects of this type of training. And by using it, you learn a little bit more about how your mind works and being able to distinguish between where you want to place your attention and maybe mind wandering, which happens to all of us. Um, so I really, uh, I thought this was a good conversation and I think, um, we went pretty deep on certain topics and, um, yeah, hopefully people found this, this valuable. And if you do want to, you know, look into this or purchase the product, please check out the show notes for a discount link that, uh, you know, we're, we're very happy to share with all of our, our listeners. So, well, that's our show for today. Uh, again, we want to thank Max Newland for being here and, and speaking with us. And we want to thank you for listening. For more on today's episode, please check out the show notes. If you have any feedback or questions for me and Josh, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use the Twitter hashtag tennisiq. Additionally, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube, so you can be notified of new episodes. And you can check us out on Instagram. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash tennisiq slash membership. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode. Thank you.